Chapter 18 Much later, after a reasonable tomato soupy supper and a dull hour in Corridor Park trying to guess what Iolith, senior member of the Greek chorus, was embroidering on her pillowcase, celery, Stella lay in bed in the dark. She was unable to sleep. In fact, she was unable even to close her eyes. Her gaze was fastened on the slender bar of dim light at the bottom of her door. With the revelation that Theo was married to a woman young enough to be his niece, who lived outside Fairmont, Stella tried to wipe the thought of him from her mind, and consider instead the enigma that was Farley Lamoureux, now that she had met him properly. It seemed less and less likely that the new resident was dangerous, even though the man who had brought him had carried a gun. Increasingly, she felt that her worry about the gun was simply an element of drama adding interest to her day, since this was pretty much why guns appeared on television, too. She decided she might safely blame the media for her own overreaction. It was likely that the younger man with the holstered gun was a relative who worked in law enforcement, a grandson, perhaps. The weapon-shaped lump in Farley's pocket could have been almost anything. A sandwich, a banana, sports socks. Poor Farley. The warden disliked him as much as she disliked Stella. As she plumped up her pillow with her fist, she remembered Theo outside, walking and talking with his much younger wife. Gritting her teeth, Stella resolved to be particularly nice to Farley. Her mouth made a round shape in the darkness. How? She peered at the line of light under the door. She would make Farley welcome. No, she would make him a friend, and do her best to counteract any action against him that Mrs. Perdetta Warren might take. You are new here, Mr. Farley Lamoureux, and I'll bet you don't feel welcome. But you are not alone. With that satisfactory thought, sleep should have overtaken her at once, but it did not, because a shadow moved in the light at the bottom of Stella's door. Out in the corridor, somebody was standing just outside the door to her room. Was it Theo? Had he come to apologize for allowing her to believe he was unmarried? Stella heard the soft sound of a shoe against the linoleum. The person just outside her door was shifting weight from one foot to the other. Theo? You shall not pass. Fairmont Manor doors had no locks. This was in case a resident needed help. The irony was obvious with regard to both the outside world, with its well-secured and alarmed doorways, and what was happening right now. As a child, Stella might have drawn her covers over her head, with the lateness of the hour, she might still have done so, but she remembered how she had eavesdropped on Mrs. Warren and Ollie in the corridor. That had been a sort of hiding, too, and she didn't like herself much for it. She rose from her bed, 
Soldier on, Stella. Barefoot, holding the ends of her nightgown collar tightly together with one hand, she opened the door. Standing in the hallway was Farley Lamoureux. The round, bare top of his head shone in the dim, fluorescent corridor lighting. He looked older at night than in daylight and was wildly quaffed about the ears, but nearly as slender as a teenager in his heliotrop-striped pajamas. His eyes lit with pleasure. I knew you'd be awake. I felt it in my water. You were right. Stella looked up and down the empty corridor. I wanted to ask you a question. Okay. He looked past her shoulder into the room. Can I come in? Stella couldn't help thinking of Theo. He did not come round in the middle of the night in his nightclothes. He did not expect Stella to answer the door in hers. But then, he was a respectable married man. Ha! And Stella said, No, certainly not. Farley pooched out his lower lip. Then, can I ask you another question? But by now, Stella was becoming weary of the dimly lit corridor and of Mr. Farley Lamoureux. No, she said. He asked his question anyway. How bad do you think the food here is? Really? She attempted to close the door, but he leaned on it. Okay, just one more question. Just one. He let her go. For heaven's sakes, it's late. What do you think is the point of living once we come to a place like Fairmount Manor? There's got to be a reason to carry on, a project, an important work, don't you think? Some kind of hope. Yes, she said, and right now I hope to get a good night's sleep. She closed the door. Chapter 19 Hours later, Stella lay with her head on her pillow, dreaming of a soft and singular kiss. Not Theo's, for he hadn't kissed her. Not her lodger's kiss. Nor was she thinking further back to the fellows she used to date so long ago that their faces were as indistinguishable as assorted jacks and kings pulled from the same deck of cards. She wasn't thinking of the first man she'd ever kissed, or the man she had eventually married, or the men who left her, always in some untimely way. She was thinking back past all those fellows to the first boy she had wanted to kiss, but he had walked by her young self a thousand times and had never known she wanted to. Suddenly, Stella felt herself wishing to be kissed. Immediately, that minute, there in her single bed with its slippery duvet and quality Sears mattress, Stella sat up in bed. She shook her head back and forth in an effort to unwish the wish. It was like trying to shake off a spider, sticky and unwelcome. So, with a shudder, she gave in to it. She embraced the thought of embrace. Feeling warm about the ears, she swung her legs over the edge of the bed and set her feet flat on the floor. She would not think of it again. Standing, she set her mouth in a grim line. She could feel its 
ruler edge with a downturned bracket on each side. No man would dare approach a mouth shaped like that. On her way to the door, she considered a stop at the washroom. No, her errand would not take long. Not at this time of night. Not where she was going. She opened the door to the half-lit corridor. The sound a door latch makes in the middle of the night is a sneaky little noise. Her bare feet stuck to the floor slightly as she crossed the corridor. She bet it was that new generic pine cleaner Ollie was using. Another cost-saving measure at Fairmount Manor. She crossed the corridor and knocked on the door facing hers. A pause, a rather long pause, followed Stella's knock. To stand shivering and barefoot in the gloomy pine-scented corridor was both pleasant and unpleasant. She wished she had stopped to find her robe somewhere on the floor near her bed. It always did slide away the first time she rolled over under her slippery duvet. But on second thought, perhaps it was good to fill the chill on her legs and on her arms below the short sleeves of her cotton nightdress. For one thing, she'd be less likely to stand there over long, and so less likely to be discovered in her nightdress roaming the shadows. Out and about at the witching hour like the ghost of mad Cassandra Browning. At the thought of supernatural manifestations, Stella turned to repair to her own room, but at that moment Farley's door opened, and he stood inches away from her in the doorway. One hand on the doorway, he said, I knew you'd come. As she felt her color rise, Stella could only hope that the light in the corridor was dim enough to cover it. She was so close to him that she felt the huff of his breath on her cheek. She wished again that she'd worn her robe. He reached out a hand to her. She took two steps away from him. He lowered his proffered hand. Farley, I'm here to answer your question. To be honest, I don't think the food is as bad as Ioleth and the others make it sound. Do you want to come inside? That previous no, Stella said, still applies. In the middle of the night, from my cozy sleep, you drag me out to give me, he chuckled, his eyes gleaming with mischief in the low light, a blanket no. Stella turned and was back in her room before the smile had a chance to cross her face. Two thoughts rotated in her wakeful brain. One was, how important do you have to be to warrant an armed police escort? And the other was, I just came close to getting myself kissed. Chapter 20 Reliza knocked on Stella's door before breakfast. A message for you came in this morning. Ollie's got it. Oh, thank you, Stella said. She dressed and headed for the dining room. Just outside Corridor Park, Cheryl stopped Stella. Did Ollie find you? You have a phone message. Thank you very much, indeed. 
Stella took a step backward and around the corner, right into Ollie's cleaning trolley. A mop fell with a sharp snap, and a bucket smacked down onto the corridor floor, releasing its thick gray liquid, a lump of rag, and a smell that had no name. She bent to pick up the mop and then looked up to see Ollie approaching. Sorry, Ollie. Gosh, what a mess I've made. Stella Cinderella. His glance uh, at the trolley was rueful, but he was full of jokes as always. I hope you're not doing my job for me. You're a union girl, aren't you? Teacher, don't cross the line. You're sweet, Ollie, and I'm awfully sorry. I'll just get out of your way. Replacing the mop on its spot, she sidled around his trolley, stepping carefully in order to avoid the spill of bucket slops. He hadn't mentioned that he was looking for her with his message, so perhaps he'd forgotten. She sidled on, right by him, but he stopped her with a hand on the arm of her sleeve. I've got a message from your daughter, Junie. His words had an odd effect. At the thought of another one of her daughter's heated messages, she could feel herself deflate, losing what felt like a full two inches off her height. But there was nothing for it but acceptance. She held out her hand to receive the message, willing her fingers to be steady. She folded it into the pocket of her trousers. She would look at it later. Possibly. Or maybe the trousers would go into the laundry and the message would remain unread. I hope I can read your writing, she joked feebly. I told your daughter, who seems a nice woman, by the way. Ollie shot Stella what was for him a sharp glance from his bright dark eyes that I would give you this message myself, and then tell her exactly what you answered. Ollie's face was folded into a rare frown. His shoulders and hands seemed suddenly enormous. Stella was feeling a mother's guilt and wished for no further pressure. She took a step away from him and looked over her shoulder along the corridor, unsure where, in the snake-like design of Fairmount Manor, it led. Ollie followed. He took her gently by the shoulder. Listen, Stella, don't you think it would be a good thing to pay some attention to your daughter's phone messages? And what if you phoned her and a shout interrupted him? You, the care worker, leave Mrs. Ryman be. The call came from the corridor behind Ollie, and Stella saw Farley hurrying in their direction. With his fists clenched, one of them clutching a knobby walking stick he had not been carrying earlier, Farley looked no bigger than usual, but he certainly had a force about him. Let the lady alone. What's that? Ollie dropped his hand from Stella's shoulder and turned. You are frightening her, and you must stop. Now hold on, Ollie began. You should be ashamed, Farley scowled. Care home bullies like you are found in every facility for the elderly. You steal money, you threaten neglect. What did you say? Ollie stared. Ollie's not like that, Stella said fiercely. Farley shook his head. I find this 
sort of thing everywhere I go. Fellows like you, women care workers too. And it is not on, I tell you. I won't allow it. Farty was electric with life now, shooting out a hard, youthful gaze. I have a strategy for dealing with care home workers who cross the lines. What lines? Ollie demanded crossly. Stella said, Ollie has a message for me, that's all. I'll bet. Now, let her be. And Farley took Stella by the arm and led her away. It's hard to admit, Stella, isn't it? A strong, kindly woman like yourself. But I can see how he uses his height and breadth to overwhelm you. She pulled herself free of Farley's grip. You can't treat Ollie like some kind of fiend. Farley paused and removed a small black bound notebook from his jacket pocket. The notebook was the sort with a ballpoint pen attached at the spine, and Farley clicked the end of the pen with relish. I'm going to record this incident, he said. There's no incident. You'd better not be writing anything at all. Stella turned her back on Farley. Rubbing her back where he had gripped her, she stamped away from Farley back to Ollie. Ollie had not moved. He appeared completely drained of spirit. I'm sorry, Ollie. I've told Farley off. My goodness. No wonder you and the director said. She stopped as she remembered that that particular conversation was meant to be private. I mean, Farley didn't really listen to a word I said, but I'll make him see reason. She saw Ollie's stance change. Thanks. You and me, we're, we're pals, aren't we, Stella? Pals? Yes, we are. Stella held out her hand, and he took it into his large palms and squeezed gently. That was Ollie, gentle and good at his job. Thanks for giving me the message from my daughter. She walked away, crumbling the message in her pocket. <laughs>